How's everyone doing? Good. Good. A little bit more lively today than usual. Wayne and one other person. Um, no, that's good. Um, uh, if I don't know you yet, my name is Graham, and I'm, uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Renaissance, and uh, I'm glad to be with you guys all here today. Um, if you're joining us here online, I just want to say uh, welcome. Um, you can feel free to say hi in uh, the comments and let us know that you are here. Um, all right. Uh, I want to begin by uh, asking you guys all a question. So here's, here's a question I have. Who here has made plans that haven't turned out exactly as they had hoped? Right? Who here has made plans that haven't turned out as they hoped? Dami's waving like two hands. She's <laughs> happens a lot to her, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope everyone, right? Because uh, I'm pretty sure that should be a universal thing, right? Um, if you didn't raise your hand, come talk to me after, and I have some investments that maybe we can talk through. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, we've, we've all made plans uh, that didn't turn out exactly how we expected, right? And I'm going to tell you a little bit about a plan that I made that didn't turn out um, as I had expected. This is a plan that I made when I was a kid. So um, when I was probably in about grade eight, maybe a little bit younger than that, um, at our school, we had like this family fun event, right? So the school, they had, they had like hot dogs, they had some food, um, they had like a barbecue, and they had different games uh, and, you know, like cornhole or whatever and, and, and different games like that. A, a bunch of different things for people to take a part in. Uh, it was really fun. Um, and so the, the main attraction for me, though, when, when I was a little boy, right, uh, was this, this thing called the Velcro Olympics. Okay, if you don't know what that is, it probably sounds a little bit weird. Um, but what it was, was it was this giant inflatable obstacle course, and it was covered in Velcro, right? And your job, it was try, to try and make it through this obstacle course while you're wearing this suit of, of Velcro, too. And so you did it while you were, like, racing someone else in the lane next to you. Uh, and obviously, you can picture why that be, would be, like, a little bit challenging. I was all about it, right? I thought this was going to be, like, the funnest thing. So... Uh, as this was the, the main attraction, right, there was always like this big line, and I'm like standing in line, and I was getting really excited, right, so I had a friend who I was going to race, me and my friend, we were all getting ready for this, and uh, uh, I had like this big plan, right, I came up with this big plan while I was waiting in line, uh, and my plan was uh, that I was going to win in style, right, and so I, uh, the race, it basically started with like these two hills, uh, and so you had to climb up them. But what I was gonna do was I was gonna climb the hills, and I was gonna do a front flip off of them. Um, and then I was gonna just continue to win the race, obviously. Um, my plan, though, it did not exactly turn out how I had expected, right? So I make it to the, the top of this first hill. Uh, I'm clearly in first place. Uh, and so I'm like, I'm going to go for it, right? I'm, I'm ready. Uh, so I jump and I start going into my flip, right? And I land. I don't extend my legs though, right? So I land and uh, I, my face, it goes directly into my knee, um, right? I end up with like this massive black eye, and I mean like massive. Um, it, I'm not even joking. It was like in hindsight, I'm like, maybe it wasn't this big, but it felt like it was like the size of a baseball. It was huge, though. Um, and it was like horrible, and it was all purple and disgusting, and it was super embarrassing, right? I remember the next day, too, 
this is like the end of the school year, and so we had like, I think the, the teachers were just like trying to find stuff for us to do. So like we had a field trip to go get ice cream, but I couldn't go because I had this massive black eye. Um, I actually remember the, the ice cream place was like, it passed, the, the kids had to like pass by my house on their way to get ice cream. So I got to like run out uh, my house and like wave to them with my stupid black eye while, while they all got ice cream. Um, yeah, didn't turn out exactly as I had expected though, right? And that's a little bit of what we're talking about today, right? Uh, today we're talking about God's plans and how they often don't turn out as we would expect, right? Um, we're going to be looking at his arrival to earth and how it was not exactly as people were expecting. All right, so t today as we are entering the Advent season, uh, we're beginning a new series, as James mentioned before, called Thrill of Hope. Um, and Advent, if you're not familiar, uh, is a time of year when Christians, we focus on awaiting the arrival of Christ. That word Advent, it literally means arrival. And so for Christians, this is a time when we reflect on the arrival of, of Jesus, which we celebrate at Christmas, as well as we anticipate his return one day to earth. Um, and I mentioned uh, this year we've titled our series Thrill of Hope, which um, are lyrics from the song that we just sang, Oh Holy Night. Uh, the main idea that we're focus on, focusing on in this series is that Jesus has come to bring hope to a weary world. Right? Jesus has come to bring hope to a weary world. Um, as, Jane, as Wayne just read for us, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 11 today. Um, if you're not familiar, Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. And uh, that, means, that just means that it was written before the arrival of Jesus. And the section that we just read talks about the prediction of the arrival of the Christ, which means we're essentially looking into plans that God made and told us about, about his arrival um, to earth. The book of Isaiah it was written uh, in about 740 BC, which is before Christ, right? So if you can imagine, 740 years is a long time for you to be, to be waiting for the arrival of Christ. And so today we're going to be looking into these plans and how they are fulfilled in Jesus. Um, as we begin, let me give us a bit of an outline of where we are headed for today. So um, here's what I want us to see um, as we go through our text. First thing I want to see is the plan to come as king. Right? Uh, second thing I want to see is the plan to come as God. Next, I want, to see, I want us to see the plan to come to transform. And finally, I want us to see the plan to come again. So the plan to come as king, the plan to come as God, the plan to come to transform, and the plan to come again. So let's dive uh, right in. Uh, the, the first thing we see is the plan to come as king. So uh, we're told that there's going to be this royal arrival, right? We see this right in, the, in our first verse here. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Um, you might not see automatically, like that might not give you the connection of a royal arrival, but if you're, if you're not familiar, Jesse was a man in the Old Testament, and he was the father of the greatest king in the history of Israel, King David. Right? So when we see his name mentioned here, we should get a picture of that. Right? Jesse is the father of a great king. 
Um, Isaiah tells us here that there's some, someone coming from the line of Jesse. And like the great King David, the one who's coming is also going to be a king. So that, that's the image that we're given here. Uh, and when you think of, of the arrival of, of a king, I wonder what comes to your mind, right? For me, when I think of a king's arrival, I maybe think of someone like King Arthur, right? Like arriving somewhere on a horse, right? He's dressed in like a fancy robe. Um, you know, as he kind of comes through people, they have to make way for them. People, they might have to like bow down to him. Um, and, and that's kind of like the picture that I get of like a king arriving somewhere, right? It is, is like this royal, you know, royal highness and, and people have to bow as, as he comes through. Um, Isaiah gives us a bit of a different picture though here. Uh, as what this king is going to be like. So who is this king that is planning to come? Uh, again, the, the first thing I find interesting is the author says he's going to come from the line of Jesse, right? He doesn't say David, he says Jesse. He could have said David, and we would have had the same picture, right? We would have the same picture of a great king. David was, in fact, the great king of Israel, and Jesus coming from the line of David gives us the same picture of a king coming. Right? We see this in, in Matthew 1 where the lineage of Jesus is traced. And in verse 6 it says that Jesus would come through David, the great king. That's what it says. Like I said, though, Isaiah doesn't say David. He says Jesse. And, and Jesse, if we know anything about him, he was no one who was really that special. Right? Jesse was a farmer and a sheep, sheep breeder in Bethlehem. So he had a humble life, which is, is what I think Isaiah is pointing us to here. Like Jesse, the Messiah who's coming is going to live a humble life. He's not going to be like the royalty we're expecting, coming in on a horse, you know, dressed in, in these royal garments. He will be a king, but he will come in humility. And Isaiah, uh, he alludes to this some, some more when he calls this Messiah. Uh, he calls him a branch, right? And uh, I was reading this, this commentator this week. His name is Matthew Henry, and he writes this. He says, he is called a rod and a branch. He says, both the, both the words here used signify a weak, small, tender product, a, tig, a twig and a sprig, so some render them, such as is easily broken off. And so again here, the nature of this king is far different than we would expect. Right? The Messiah, he will come, he will be coming as a king, but he's also going to become, he, he's also going to be coming humble, lowly, and as a meek king. Already, what are we seeing here? We're seeing a picture of Jesus, right? Jesus from the royal line of David, but with a humble life like Jesse. Right? He didn't come into this world with great power to lord it over us, but he came as a baby with humble beginnings. He was born to a virgin in a feeding trough in a barn, which is not how you would picture a king coming, right? But this is how Jesus, the humble king, decided to come. God came to us as a man, fully being able to relate to us in all of our struggles and in our sufferings. And so the first thing we see, that's the first thing we see here, is that the Christ will come as humble king, which is not exactly how we would expect. But not only do we see God's plan to come as humble king, we also see his plan to come as God. 
So as Christians, we believe that the God who made the universe and everything in it came to us. He came to earth. And he came being fully man in the form of his son Jesus. And at the same time, he was also fully God. So he was 100% man and 100% God. So what Isaiah is showing us here is both Jesus' full humanity as well as his full divinity, right? And we see this in verse 2. He says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and light, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So despite him being a humble king, it is through God's very own power that this Messiah is going to rule. Right? The power of God's own Spirit. And what we see is this, this power is unlike anything that we've ever seen before. Right? Just like we saw the unexpected humility as he came as king, we also see how he rules as God is unexpected. And why it's unexpected um, is because God, he does not rule as we think he should. Right? And here's what I mean by that. We get to verse 3. And it says, And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see and, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall, he shall kill the wicked. So God, in his wisdom, he rules differently than we would think is right. He doesn't judge by what his eyes see. No, he judges with righteousness. Right? And, and you may not see how these contradict one another, right? You might not see how judging by one's eyes is contradictory to, to uh, judging with righteousness. But I'm going to give us here a couple of, of examples. So, um, first, Chris, Christmas is coming, right? Nodding heads. Awesome. Yes, we all know that. Uh, for all you Americans here, too, we just, uh, you just celebrated Thanksgiving. Um, at both of these holidays, right, in many households, there's a lot of food, right? Um, I know for me, these are like my two favorite holidays um, because I love all the food that is had around these times. Um, and I know my family, like especially around Christmas, there's a lot of different kinds of food, too. So uh, for Christmas, when, when we go back to Winnipeg, um, there's usually like ham, there's mashed potatoes, uh, there's meatballs, there's like multiple different kinds of vegetables and different kinds of salads and desserts. And I'm probably missing like a ton of different things that we have. Um, but yeah, so if, if you try to put all of those things on one plate, right, you only end up like with like a small amount, right? And so, uh, you know, you end up like with like one meatball and then like a little bit of potatoes. And of course, you want more of that, right? It's not like enough just to have like one meatball. But really, when it adds up, you have like definitely enough on your plate. But what usually ends up happening, you finish that and you're like, I'm going to go back for seconds or I'm going to go back for thirds or whatever, you know, you just get stuffed. Um, but yeah, we don't really actually need more though, right? We, we just want more because it's good and it's appealing to our eyes, right? And I wished for me, you know, I wish I could say that this is just a Christmas problem, but really, this is like also a pizza problem. Uh, this is like a poutine problem. This is anything greasy food for me is like, no, I'm going back for more. Um, yeah. So, and I'm sorry like, if I'm making you hungry right now, but I think I'm probably just like proving my point. Um, 
what is it though? It is, is that we see all this food and we say, oh man, that looks so good right now. I want more of that, right? Well, we don't necessarily need more, right? But we let our eyes decide what is best for us, right? We make decisions by what we see. Um, I'll give you another example here. Uh, choosing to pursue sexual relationships that are outside of what God commands, right? And James had, had talked about this last week when we talked about relationships. Uh, and so whether that is adultery or pornography or sex outside of marriage, whatever it is, many times we get enticed by what we see with our eyes. And we, we pursue that to satisfy our desires, even, that it, even if that means it's contrary to God's will. Um, all that to say, this is what Isaiah is telling us about this Messiah. He will not judge by what his eyes see, but he will judge with righteousness and equity for the poor. So those who, who are lowly, those who need help in the world, where we see ways in our life where we want to get ahead and pursue our desires and fantasies, God sees the broken, the needy, and the poor in spirit. And he came to us as Jesus to bring hope to a weary world. Right? So we see the plan to come as king. And we see the plan to come as God. And next we see the plan to come to transform. Right? We see this in, in verses 6 to, uh, to 9. Uh, Wayne read for us. We have like a, uh, the pictures of, of the animals that were together that you wouldn't normally picture together, right? Do you remember that? Um, I've got a, another story for you guys here. You guys remember Harambe? No. Some of you are shaking your head no. Well, I'll tell you who Harambe is. Harambe was a gorilla in the Cincinnati Zoo, and he received attention a few years ago um, for a, an unfortunate situation, right? If you're not familiar with his story, here's a little bit of what happened. So um, there was a family that went to this zoo, and they had a young little curious boy, right? This, this boy was about three years old, and he was curious about the gorillas, right? And he, so he climbed into this gorilla enclosing, uh, and he, like, it, the, the, the enclosing was, like, on a hill. He, he kind of fell down, and there was, like, I don't know, this kind of ditch that he fell down into. Um, and uh, so before the parents could get help uh, and get the child out of this enclosure, there was a gorilla in the... the the enclosure here named Harambe, and he found the boy. And, uh, you know, it was a bit of a weird situation because at the time, at the times it looked like the, the gorilla was trying to, like, protect the boy, and then at other times it didn't look so much like that. Like, the, there's footage of, like, the gorilla, like, dragging the boy across, like, the whole enclosure. And it was a really scary and, and dangerous uh, situation. Uh, what ended up happening was the zoo had to like put the gorilla down before anything bad happened. And there was like a lot of controversy and there was like this big uproar whether like the, the zoo made the right decision, right? Um, here's the point of that. Whether or not that gorilla in that situation was, was dangerous or not, I don't know. But humans and gorillas do not live peacefully together, right? Like uh, a gorilla would tear a human apart if they were unhappy with them. That's just the reality. And so what, what makes this picture in Isaiah a little bit unusual, right, is, is it's not normal to see what at the animals that we have here, like, dwelling together, right? And so, yeah, what do we see here? We, we see, like, a, a wolf and a lamb. We see a leopard and a goat. We see a calf and a lion together. 
cow and a bear, um, and then a child playing with a cobra. And, and all this, if you saw this today, you would think, like, that's not right, right? Like, it's not natural for these creatures to be together. Right? And why is that? It's because you don't mix these things together because of the, the very nature. It's, it's in their very nature for one of these to harm the other, right? One is predator and the other is prey. And I'll share another story with you guys. So uh, right after high school, um, I was dating uh, this girl. And while we were dating, she decided to get a snake for a pet, right? Make of that what you will. Um, but we, you know, uh, the, the snake, it was... Uh, it was not super huge, right? But it was, uh, it, it was probably like a couple feet, it, yeah, a couple feet long. Um, it wasn't like a major th- a threat, but you know, it was big enough to do some damage, right? Um, and I'll be honest with you, I hated the snake. Like I, I, I thought the snake was like the worst thing ever, um, and I really tried to like it. I, I promise you, like I, I really did. I, I did my best. Um, when she first got it, like I was a little bit nervous, but I was like, you got a snake, that's super cool. And so I tried to like feed it a couple times and I tried to like take it out of its uh, cage and like hold it and get it used to me. Um, but every time that I tried to, to get close to it, it would snap at me, like every single time. I don't know what this snake's problem was. It was super feisty. It would always try and bite me no matter like how calm it was. Um, just a very angry snake. Um, and, and I don't think I ever actually got bit by it um, because I'm way smarter and faster than it. Um, but all that to say is we did not end up on good terms, right? I never reconciled with the snake. Um, and so me and snakes, we don't get along. Uh, but yeah, anyways, we, we get to the, the, the very opposite picture here in Isaiah, right? The picture we see in Isaiah is one of peace. You would never put a child next to a snake, but that's the picture that we see here, um, where these creatures are, are, they're all hanging out together peaceably. Um, Here's what it says in verse 9. It says, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. Okay? Uh, Also, I was listening to a professor this week. He was was, uh, teaching on this. His name is John Oswald, and he quoted, he kind of paraphrased this C.S. Lewis quote. And it went something to, to the effect of this. He said, he said, I don't know, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think we're talking about literal things here. He said, if we were, the lion would have to have a, a major dental job. Basically, is a comedic way of saying, like, this may or may not be a, a, an actual description of what to expect here, it, it, because it kind of goes against, like, the very nature of, like, the lion's physical anatomy of being able to, like, eat, eat grass. Who knows? I don't know. All that, all that aside, whether or not this is literal is secondary to the actual point, though. To live, the, the point is, to live peaceably with God and creation, we need to be transformed spiritually. Right? We need the very nature of our beings transformed. Right? Because the reality of things is, there's not peace here on earth. Right? Humans and gorillas do not live peaceably together. Humans and snakes do not live peaceably together. Humans and humans do not live peaceably together. Right? Creation does not live peaceably together. And this is not how God designed us, though. Right? God designed us to be in a peaceful relationship with one another and with him. 
But the fact is that our sin has ruined the very nature of who we were made to be. And if, if our very nature is flawed, then the problem, it, it comes from deep within ourselves. Right? And that flawed nature has wrecked our relationship with God because we have ruined his perfect world with our sin. Right? And so if we want peace, we need the very nature of our beings change, right? Our spiritual nature. And the good news is, is that the, the Messiah came to do just that. Right? And he did so not how we might expect. Right? God came to earth as a humble king. He was born to a virgin, conceived by the Spirit, born as a king, but in humility in a manger. He was not wrapped in a royal robe, but he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He ruled the world, not as our eyes would see fit, but with justice and righteousness for the poor in spirit and for the weak. And he came to earth to transform our very nature by dying on the cross for our sins so that we can have peace with him and one another. He unexpectedly defeated death by dying himself on a cross. And God raised him to life again three days later, showing that not even death could hold him. And so when we put our faith in him, and not, and not in what the things that we have done, but what he has done for us, God puts his spirit in us, and he begins to transform our very nature so that we can live for him and love him. Right? We see glimpses of this right now. But this is not... It's not complete, right? What we see now are changed lives as we put our faith in Jesus. And we see that our nature goes from living for ourselves and delighting in our sin to living for God and hating our sin. And in this existence, our lives will not fully be transformed into the image that we were made to be. But as we continue to trust in Jesus and live in obedience to God by his spirit, we are made more and more into that image that we were made to be. And we look forward to the day when he will return and, he, and we will be made new and we will have peace with him and with one another. And so that leads us into our final point. Next, we see the plan to come again. What we see in the, in the rest of the chapter is the destruction of the enemies of God and the deliverance of his people. Right? Right? This might be a little bit unexpected to hear from an Advent sermon. But when we, when we think about the arrival of Jesus, we both look back at his, at his birth and we look forward to his return, his second Advent. For Christians, Christ's second coming is when Jesus will get rid of, the, uh, will rid the world of all evil and death and disease and sin. This is good news for believers, Right? because we will be with him for eternity in the presence of peace. So to put your faith in Jesus is, is both believing that he came and that he will come again. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, or if you're watching online and you're not a believer, let me implore you, do not let this catch you off guard. Right? Don't let this be unexpected to you. Right? It was written that he would come, and he did. And it is written that he will come again, and he will. And for those who have not put their faith in Jesus, 
This is not good news, right? God will righteously judge those who will not follow him. He will remove the evil from this world, and those who are declared righteous will, by faith in Christ will live in peace with him together. If you, if you will put your faith in Jesus, though, then you, will have, then you have a promise that he will transfer you into his kingdom and will transform your very nature to live for him in peace. I want to say this, the, the Christ's first advent, the first time that Jesus came, it was, a, it was unexpected to people because the world expected him to come and to destroy their enemies, right? And, and listen to this, the, the second time that Jesus comes, it, it may be unexpected for some people too because the world it may, I, I, I think the world is probably expecting him to come in peace. People think that that. This God is, is we, we have a, a God that is only loving. And the reality is, yes, God is love. But God also is going to rid, rid the world of evil. And then we will have peace. Um, and, and if you are a follower of Christ, praise God, because that is what you can, can expect. You can expect the peace of God. So let us be reminded of this promise that he kept to Israel, that he would come to redeem them, and the promise that he has for us that he will return for us. See the unexpected grace he has given you by sending his son Jesus, the humble king, the wise God, who came to transform hearts and is coming again so you may have peace with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you came to us God, not in your wrath, but in peace. And, and we, we are humbled that you would, you would come to us, not that we deserve it, God, but because you love us. We thank you that you are coming again, um, God, and that we have peace with you because of your son, Jesus. Um, we, look, we look forward to that day when you will rid the world of evil, um, we, we are amazed uh, of all the goodness that, that you have and, and how, how gracious you have been to us. Um, help us to, to, to see that as we reflect on the birth of Jesus and, and your second coming. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.